the project. Kuwait. Learn. Learn. Live. Hey, everybody. It's good long story. Welcome to this episode of the project. Me and Liam were actually joined by Ambassador Long Silverman. There you go. Pick me up right there. And he talks about his journey with diabetes and how he got through it. Yeah, it was actually a really, really cool episode. It was a very, very special guest. It was really, really cool for him to be able to take some time out to come visit us and actually talk a little bit about his own experiences of being diabetic and how I think it was nine years ago that actually he was diagnosed. So it was kind of like, so I think when he was 54, he mentioned. So yeah, he was diagnosed quite late in his life. And then just a little bit of a talk about how he deals with it, how he manages it, and actually he manages it without medication. I love that Very, part. very interesting. So definitely along the lines of what we were always kind of talking about with actually managing your own health and trying to, like sometimes, like although taking doctor's advice, but actually you don't need to be relying on them all the time. So we, yeah, we hear about him a little bit for this. He jumps into some of the community aspects about managing diabetes too, about early intervention. And you brought up what he has done in the community too with sports and youth sports. And I think it's just, he's a great guy and he offered a lot of valuable information, especially when we talked about de-stressing. Exactly. And so, I mean... So a guy in a pretty, probably a most pretty, stressful, pretty stressful, most stressful position, position yeah. um, yet certainly more stressful than mine. So um, yeah, it's definitely interesting to hear how he manages a disease which is pretty much built around stress. So yeah, very interesting. Guys. So enjoy. All this and more in today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Project. And I'd actually like to say thank you to community for letting us have this episode here and we actually have a very special guest today. His Excellency, the Ambassador of the United States, Mr. Lawrence Silverman. Thank you for joining us today. And I hope you can really shed some light on the different topics we're going to talk about today, sure. especially how you manage diabetes. Yeah. Thank you so much for allowing me to join, for inviting me here. It's great to be with you. I'm always happy to talk about this in a kind of a healthier lifestyle. Yeah, and Liam's here too, but he's really quiet right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> I think he's just shocked because I'm wearing a tonight. I got that's it. right. So. Yeah, I don't know who this guy is. They <laughs> have visiting with us during Ramadan the chief imam of the U.S. Army. Oh Actually, wow! I'll be taking. I took him to some diwanias last night. We'll go go to a few more tonight. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Mm. So, how is Ramadan going with the after break fast? Obviously, everyone yeah. jumps into the sweets. So, right. you're a uh, diabetic. Yeah, that's right. Type two or type, type one? two? Type, type two. Type two diabetes. Right. Right. So, can you tell us a little bit how your journey began with diabetes and sure. where it started? Yeah, I think probably for those who were not born with it, you know, or learned about it, especially type one diabetes, when they're a kid, I think they can, they always know when exactly they found out that they had diabetes. So I was sitting at my desk in my office and my doctor called me and I had been feeling as if I had the flu, but it just didn't go away. So fatigue and something that would pass in a week, it just didn't pass. So I had a blood test and he called me and he said, I just have some bad news for you. So I had some good news. It's not something worse, but, uh, but you have type 2 diabetes and now we got to figure out which can be managed. So you just got to figure out if you're going to kind of dedicate yourself to doing this, but you can do it and come on in and, uh, and we'll talk about it, all aspects of the disease. And there was a little bit of it in my family, not very, very much. So I was not something I was really conscious about ever. So it was a total surprise to me. So if you don't mind me asking, how was the lifestyle leading up to that point? Was it very yeah. filled with normal foods or, you know? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have, I can't say I had a good diet and I had some junk food here and there, but I didn't think it was terrible. I mean, I was overweight in the sense that most people are actually overweight yeah. in terms yeah. of the ideal body mass and all the index, but I wasn't obese 
category. It wasn't that bad. And I did, I did some exercising. So I was mostly concerned because it was a long, tough history in my family of heart disease. So when he said, I got some bad news for you, that's what I was thinking. And of course, as we know, diabetes can affect the heart and kidneys as well. So in a way that was, I think it had more of an effect on me, not because of the diabetes itself, but a concern that given that and the higher odds that I would have heart problems, the combination is obviously something you want to avoid. Yeah, no, 100%. So throw a curveball at Liam over here. He won't understand this, but we'll get it. So a lot of Dunkin' Donuts back in the day? <laughs> yeah. I, not a lot. But Growing I, up in Massachusetts. But I, have I had to, to throw that in there. Sorry. Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> is a great thing. I wasn't uh, crazy over sweets or anything. I, For example, I'm not the kind of priest. I was drinking diet beverages even before, which are not great for you either. But it's not like I had a real sweet tooth. So I really couldn't say absolutely that it was my diet. I will say one thing, which I think for me, stress had a, was a big factor in diabetes. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, we'll, we'll probably get to that eventually. Yeah. So how did you choose your method of yeah. managing diabetes? Right. So I had a good doctor and I had, and I went and he sent me to a nutritionist as well. And uh, they told me about all the different things, what you really should cut out. And I did pretty much, as we say, cold turkey. There were some things that I literally stopped that almost that day, almost all fried foods. I stopped eating pizza, things like that. But again, it's not like I was eating it every day. I didn't have a terrible diet, but I just said, okay, I have to change and I generally have to lose some weight. But again, I was driven as much by the history of the heart disease as I was now learning about diabetes. But I think the best thing was that they told me I you really could manage this disease. So we talked about medication and then diet and exercise and all that. I can, I'm happy to talk about the medication if you want. But yeah, 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 no, go right ahead. Yeah. So we started out on medication. Sorry, more. one quick yeah. question not to cut you off, no. but how old were you when you so were So this diagnosed? was nine years ago. So I was 54. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you caught it right away and you did something about it. Uh, well, I mean, did I catch it right away or not? How long did but I have you, it before you, you I knew about it? About yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I'm, yeah, I'm the type of person. If you tell me something, I will do what the doctor generally do what the doctor says. So it was, like I said, it was a real, it was a pretty shocking. You know, it's not something that I expected. So we started on medication. Metformin is one of the most common medications that you take in the States. And it worked like that. I mean, that's the good thing. Medications can work. My problem as it developed, the short version is that I started losing weight and I could not stop losing weight. So I lost about 50 pounds. Oh, wow. 50, 55 pounds. And then I was tired from just the weight loss and everything and really dragging. And my doctor and I said, we have to find something different. So we changed the medication to a milder form. I mean, it was working on the glucose level, glycemic level, fine. So we switched to a less powerful drug and it was working. But every once in a while, I would be hypoglycemic. I would be too low. And that's, of course, a danger in and of itself can be a bigger danger about having a stroke or something like that. And literally, again, you know exactly where I was sitting, what happened. We use a different measurement than is used here. So if 70 is about as low as you should be on our scale, I went down to 54 one day and I'm shaking and I'm about to pass out. And I called my doctor and he said, start eating something right away. And then if you don't kind of recover, get yourself to the hospital and we'll see you there. And it worked. I was able to steady myself and got the glycemic level up above. But I used to always carry food with me, something I think most diabetics can tell when they're too low as well as too high. 
But we got to the point that we were thinking that the risk of hypoglycemia was becoming greater than hyperglycemia. Going too low was actually more of a problem for me than going too high because of the medication. So then the only alternative was to go off the medication. But going off the medication meant you had to lose more weight and be on a stricter diet. So I did. I went on to a stricter diet. And to this day, I'm not taking medication. I'm just doing it by diet and exercise. I feel like I have to lose some more weight and I can always exercise more and I really should try to lower stress. You know, hard I to want to try position. to do it as long as possible without medication because for me, every person is different. But for me, medication was a bit too much. So just to get some perspective yeah. from your experience when you took the medication and you dropped 50 pounds, what kind of weight were you at? So uh, again, I'm going in pounds, not kilos. So I was up around 205 at my heaviest and I went down to 150. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. A, in a very a short drop. period of yeah, time. We talked about a couple of months. And people just looked at me because I was dragging. I was really, yeah. by the end of the workday, it was, uh, the fatigue was really. I was going to say, from, yeah, was it something that you found uh, massively affected kind of your work on a day to day basis? Sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. I didn't have an energy level really to keep up. I'm testing myself, and that's great. The glycemic levels are terrific, but it's not something that I could have sustained. Okay. They were trying to figure out how to stop from losing weight because every time I would go, I would be down another five pounds or something like that. And did it change your appetite when you started taking the medication? Did you kind yeah. of find you had Yeah, zero because it, did, it, it had effects on my stomach, so I didn't want to eat because yeah. it just wasn't comfortable. Everybody is different. I know it's always recommended, but I can't say it strongly enough. Work with your doctor, work with a nutritionist because the causes are different for different people. I think the one constant for everybody is that it can be managed. And when I talk to people, that's my message because that's the message I was given, which made me optimistic and said, yeah, it's a bad thing, but you can deal with this and it doesn't have to shorten your life at all or anything like that. So when people read up about diabetes or they read about people with diabetes, they often call, many people call it a blessing in disguise. It made you improve your lifestyle, improve your diet, get more exercise, all things that you should be doing anyway. So I would argue, apart from the fact that I have diabetes, I am healthier now than I was at the time I got diagnosed. I would argue. Because you're making those better yeah, choices. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So what kind of better choices do you now make consciously? Well, certain things are kind of off the diet. Okay. Maybe once in a while, you don't have to deny yourself. You shouldn't consider some things illegal as if you could never have them. So you have something once a month or something like that. Portion size goes down because I used to eat huge portions of pasta, for example, which are not good for you. So I moderated that, more fruits, more vegetables. I used to hate skim milk, but no, you just have skim milk and that's the end of that. I was advised, don't go from just full fat milk to low fat milk, go all the way down to skim milk because it will help you. My biggest downfall, meaning the, the thing that I like the most and it's hardest for me to put down is bread. Bread is not good for you, obviously, as a diabetic. So I eat pasta once in a while, but much, much less than I used to. So it's that moderation thing. And one other thing. So I was taking medication, obviously. And you used to say, okay, when you take the medicine, I'm doing something good for myself. So then what happens when you don't take the medicine anymore? So what I taught myself was if I take a walk, if I don't eat that, something that I shouldn't eat, that's as if I'm taking a pill. I'm curing myself. We're not curing, but I'm managing the disease. So it's not with medication anymore because the medication had bad effects on me. It's the moderation or abstaining from certain things. And I don't feel like I have such a limited diet. But again, I want to stress there are people out there with much more severe cases of diabetes than mine. But I would still say the same message that you can manage the disease. And it is. I mean, it's not like you cure the disease, although some people really believe that you can almost cure yourself. 
lately when I've been testing myself, I'm at just at pre-diabetic. I'm just on the cusp. So I've gotten myself down to that level. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So with your new kind of habits, like kind of what is like your favorite change that you've made? Is it kind of like doing more exercise or is that kind of like a... The exercise is good. I don't do enough exercise because of my job and time available. So yeah, that's definitely something. And it's a much better thing when clothes fit you. It's nice when yeah. you get, you're buying clothes and you say, oh, this is too big for me now. That's always a great thing, but you just feel more, I think it's just feeling more comfortable in moving around. I mean, you guys are in good shape. So you know that there's a greater energy level too, Yeah, which makes you feel better. And especially if I think back about how I felt when I was diagnosed or even after the medication started having some of the negative effects along with the positive effects. And when I used to crash every once in a while, crash, but I mean, get too low. It's so great that I don't have that right now. Yeah. So So what kind of exercises do you enjoy doing? Like um, strength training I, or... Uh, no, I can't look like uh, Liam, but... Uh, I wish I could too. <laughs> <laughs> but I have some back injuries from playing American football. So there's a lot of things I can't do. And that can be a challenge if you have diabetes or something that really requires you to have exercise, but you can't. But again, that's the point. You don't have to go out and lift weight. This is what I tell people. I mean, exercise can be... And I know it's strange here in Kuwait because, you know, especially as the ambassador, but, you know, you walk into a building and immediately they push you into an elevator because you can't possibly walk up one flight of stairs. You know, they think you can't do it. My wife and I like to go to Shahid Park. So we get to Shahid Park and they bring up the golf cart to go around. They said, no, no, the whole purpose why we're here is to walk around. So you walk stairs, you take time to walk during the day. I bicycle. I like to bicycle when I can. That's the thing for me. Swimming is, I don't do it as much as... I should. So those are things that I can do because I can't uh, play football or basketball or tennis, for example, anymore because of my back. So now you touched on this a little little while ago. How do you manage your stress levels? I mean, you have a very you have a very stressful job. Yeah. Assuming it's a twenty four seven job. Yeah. So what are some of the methods that you use in terms of managing your stress, whether it's meditation or deep breathing or anything? Yeah, I don't. I'm the kind of person that says, "Oh, if I take time to meditate." Ooh, that was time I took away from doing something else. I have totally the wrong approach to meditation. I see the value in it and you don't have to convince me that it's probably a good thing and it would probably be a good thing for me. It's just not my personality, to be honest. But again, some people say it's a silver lining, blessing in disguise that you got diagnosed with the disease because I've also taught myself, okay, when things go bad, you just got to chill out a little bit, calm down. I try not to get as wrecked up as I used to. If something bad happens and put it in perspective. And when you have a disease like this, it automatically kind of puts it in a perspective for you because you know, I mean, I can see if I'm under a lot of stress, test myself every day. When I'm under more stress, the level is higher. And it's been scientifically proven in some tests, not for everybody, but I think most doctors believe that when you're under higher stress, there's a decent chance that your glycemic levels will go up, especially if you're diabetic or pre-diabetic. So that, uh, kind of taught me or or really made me put things in a little bit better perspective. I think as you get older, you do that anyway. But having that kind of a wake-up call from the disease, I think that helps. So everybody has a different way of doing it. Some people do it through meditation, which I think is great. But the other thing is just take a walk. When I bicycle, bicycling is great because I think your mind kind of clears out. Yeah. You can just relax. One thing I was just really interested, back to what you were saying before when you were working with a doctor and a nutritionist. Yeah. So could you speak a little bit about your experiences working with both of them? Yeah. And whether you think that maybe 
the nutritionist helps in certain ways and with the doctor helps in certain ways and kind of, because there's going to be a lot of people who are listening to this who yeah. kind of maybe they think of the doctor and they think the nutritionist is just like some, yeah. some guy over here. So, so I'm a good doctor person. In other words, I go to doctors. They tell me to do something. I kind of just salute and go out and do it and they love it because yeah. they, they know I'm a good uh, patient. To be honest, it's not like I stayed with the nutritionist, but I went a few times at yeah. the beginning and they just say, well, how much do you eat? Show me what you eat. And when they say, what are you, crazy? I mean, you know, why are you taking that much? This is what you should be eating. All That's all really, I mean, I understand that people will consult a nutritionist every day or every week. I didn't do that, to be honest. I did it a few times. They gave me good advice. I've read from time to time. Yeah. So I wasn't going to the person all the time. I did go to the doctor all the time, but I didn't go to the nutritionist. But they were the ones that taught me about portion size and even little tricks because they're, you can play little games with yourself. For example, you're used to clearing your plate, meaning everything on your plate. No. From now on, you leave two bites behind, even though you want them. And that's just to teach your brain that you can do that. Yeah. Because most people will, and especially if you come from a culture where people are saying, eat, eat. And your mother says, people are starving somewhere else. You need to eat all of your food. But now it's leave a couple of bites behind. So do you think that maybe it might have been more beneficial for you to see a nutritionist beforehand? No, so, no. Like, I, I see all the benefits of a nutritionist, yeah. really. And I mean, it, to be honest, I mean, it would be good if I did it more rigorously and if I consulted the nutritionist because I don't have a perfect diet by any means. And they really do have a lot of good advice to impart. And they're out there telling you, it's not like you're giving up everything here. Just there are things you're looking for the least. If you're eating rice, no, not the white rice, eat the brown rice, or there are different kinds of rice. There are certain kinds of noodles, for example, that are very low in starch that you can eat. There's some different Asian noodles, for example. But there are substitutes for a, a lot of things where you don't have to feel so deprived. Because if you feel deprived, then you're going to be in a lousy mood all the time and you're going to feel sorry for yourself. And then you're going to want it more, obviously. Exactly. And then when you get it, you're probably yeah. going to binge on exactly. it. You know? exactly. So it's exactly. Just, I mean, I fall into that trap all the time. So yeah, I mean, I, anybody does, yeah, I think. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's just interesting. I think we were talking just before the show about some people who were doing some testing kind of directed at kids. Yeah. So where I was coming from with the nutritionist kind of thing was actually go, okay, maybe we won't need to be going to the doctors and receiving these bad phone calls saying, yeah, actually, yeah, we've got exactly. bad news. If we made more of an effort to make sure that kids as well, specifically in this country, yeah. um, if they were kind of tested, we got maybe an earlier indicator of like pre-diabetes or something like this. Absolutely. I was talking earlier with some of you about this uh, group, the uh, Blue Circle, and they did a, an event. The Avenues Mall, and it was all about trying to get as many kids tested. So they had to set up a kind of displays and everything that were conducive to getting kids to come over with their parents and get tested because that's when you need to. The worst thing to me is when I see a kid with what is in essence adult onset diabetes. And that's because of, I mean, look, we have, I think, 9% diabetes rate in the United States. Here it's 24%. Yeah, which it's, is it's quite it's incredible. It's quite it's really and it's not just a health issue here, it's a financial issue. And I've said this to my colleagues, even in the government, because you pay a fortune to take care of people because it's not just diabetes, because then it can lead to kidney disease, to heart disease, to problems with your eyes or with your limbs. And it can just save everybody a lot of money in addition. Now, I realize going to a kid at a young age and saying, don't eat this. People said that to me too, but I didn't listen to them. Yeah. Of course, you're a kid. And that's where the parents obviously come in. But again, it's not like you're depriving your kids of everything, just a little moderation, that's all. And a little bit more exercise. I mean, even walking is an exercise. 
don't have to get out there and really strain yourself so much. You have to have your mind thinking, this is something I need to do every day. Yeah, I think we something we talk about a lot on the show is like kind of how little kind of areas there are to walk in Kuwait. Yeah, no, it's true. And the kind of the ability to be able to just walk down the block or walk uh, yeah, to the yeah. local park or something right. is quite hard. You're right. So you mentioned that you kind of go to Al Shahid Park and actually like uh, most evenings it's pretty busy, which yeah. is really nice to see. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's great to see. I love it when there are a lot of people there. Sometimes people might have access to exercise equipment and they can do that. But again, you don't have to go crazy on these things. I use an exercise bicycle when I'm not bicycling outside, but I don't do crazy things and I'm not lifting weights and I'm not punishing myself. It's just a little bit more. And like I said, you don't have to go in an elevator for a floor or two or even three. Just take the stairs. Everybody has stairs. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's very true. Yeah, that yeah. is very true. Even we got like a, like I mean, we don't have it in the UK like anywhere, but lifts and houses and things like this is kind of like to, know, like, yeah, to yeah, go down yeah. to the kitchen <laughs> to get something out of the fridge to go back up the lift to go back to the, to the bed. Right. <laughs> so here's another question. I mean, you talked about managing your exercise and stuff. When do you find time? Just out of curiosity, yeah, like when can you find time? No, I mean, ideally, <laughs> uh, ideally, if I were doing a job that probably entailed. It would be easier to find the time. Sometimes I'm even doing it relatively late at night, which is not a great thing because sleeping is also important. Getting good sleep is important to the management of diabetes. That I don't do so well. And they say that not only should you get X number of hours sleep, you need to wind down. In other words, so you're not running around and running around and then going to sleep because yeah. then you won't fall asleep. Yep. You know, it'll be difficult. That's hard for me to do because I may be on the phone or whatever it is that I'm doing relatively late and then I go to sleep. And that's not a great combination. But then, like any disease or dealing with any disease, you listen to your body and your body tells you when you say, no, 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 we're not doing this. We can't stay up anymore. You have to go now and rest. And the ideal situation is, like I said, you're slowing down through the evening before you go to sleep and you're not watching television or in front of a computer screen, even on your phones, right up until you go to sleep, which probably everybody is. But that's, as you know, not a great thing because it makes it harder to fall asleep. And the sleep is what you need for regeneration, as you know, and for dealing with diabetes. I think if you track and people, I test myself every day, you could probably map stress and sleep. Yeah. Poor sleep, higher glycemic level, more stress, higher glycemic level. That would make sense. Now, what are some of the things you do to kind of wind down? I mean, you, <laughs> you, you hit on a really good point because a lot of people are attaching circadian rhythm and we're looking at blue light blockers and all yeah. this new research is coming out saying, yeah. There's a reason why we used to light fires and it was a different kind of light than what you get from right, a TV screen right, or a right. laptop. So, I mean, obviously your job, you're probably, you have to look at a phone or a computer yeah, yeah, screen a lot yeah. during the day. Yeah, so yeah. when it comes time to go to sleep, like what's something that you could do to just kind of bring your system down a little bit? Yeah, you have to take yourself out of that environment that involves anything with work. Listening to a podcast, for example, that you might like. I mean, out of enjoyment, not some people... The listening to a radio or something, just a radio, not nothing visual, it will put them to sleep. Or yeah. you have music and these little machines that mimic waves or some other calming sound. I found that actually that worked. But it's really thinking that you have to do something before you go to sleep. You have to start that winding down, not just I'm up, I'm active, bam, then I'm going to sleep. That's the problem. Yeah, no, it's understandable. I mean, I got a four-year-old, so what we well, do to so you wind, don't have the luxury of uh, well, what we got to do to wind him down is we read him stories. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you we, never, when yeah. we read him a book, yeah. and I can tell the difference when he's watching TV and we try to put him into bed, and then when we read him a sure, book for sure. 20, 30 minutes, and then he'll just pass right out because right. the brain has that time to kind of just slow down a little right. bit. And, right. I mean, it's amazing that you can come up with some of these 
to settle down and kind of switch off at times. Yeah. So. yeah. But again, I'm a big fan of doctors. I listen to doctors. My brother is a doctor, retired, but you're your own doctor. Nobody knows your body better than you do because you're monitoring it all the time. That's the thing. You should be monitoring it. I mean, just in your mind, nothing fancy or complex, but you should say, well, when do I feel better? When do I feel worse? And try to figure out how that's happening. And I think if you have diabetes and you eat something that you really shouldn't have eaten, you know it. I think most diabetics would say they know it. So is there anything that you feel like uh, that you kind of should be doing, but you're not doing, but you're yeah, planning sure. to do in the future or kind of uh, do anything like that? <laughs> you're not planning to do in the future, maybe? I should be planning to do that I'm not planning to do. I can certainly improve my diet. Yeah, there are certain things. Again, I don't have to deprive myself of 100%, but, you know, less of. So what's your favorite? No, I mean, it, look, if I could eat pizza, I would eat pizza. If I could yeah. eat lots of pasta, I would eat lots of pasta. I don't, but I like to have a little taste of it once in a while. And um, I am fortunate because I was never a big eater of sweets. So for me, I don't eat sweets at all. And by the way, I have to say that I go to a lot of diwanias here in Kuwait, and people are very understanding, actually, mainly because so many of them are diabetic, I have to say. <laughs> Sorry to say. But when I say I come in and they offer me sweets and I said, Andy Sukarai have diabetes. They go, oh, no, fine. There's no pushing of the food on yeah. you, which is nice because some people really, just to be generous, yeah. want to push food in the you, nicest way possible. It's, yeah. it's yeah. done in a nice way, but people really shouldn't do it. But here, they're very understanding of that. So that was never a problem with me. But absolutely, I can do that. Absolutely, I could exercise more, but it's uh, easier said than done. Sure. What else can you say? But if you make it really strenuous exercise, then I worry in general. Because it's that strenuous, you won't find the time to do it or you'll be a little tired and you don't think you can do it. Whereas if you're just doing things like walking, like some exercise, bicycling or something that you will be able to stick to it yeah. better. better it's than much more easily things. maintainable. Yeah. But again, having gyms, and there are a lot of gyms in this country, of course, that creates that obligation. Now you can have a trainer, not have a trainer, but just going and you're paying your membership fee. Yeah. So that gives you some incentive to use it, actually, not stay at home after you bought the membership. Yeah. And plus having people around you. But you don't have to look next to you and say, oh, I'm not lifting all that weight or doing that. No, no, no. Just that you're there and you're doing something. Because again, it gets back to if you were told to take a pill, you would take a pill, right? So if you're replacing the pill with uh, exercise, I mean, I literally like picture myself yeah. taking a sip of water when I'm out walking or bicycling or something like that. I think it's really important though, as you said, you go for walks with your wife as well. And so it's yeah. someone who makes you accountable for doing that as well, right? Yeah. yeah, but you have to be, and that's good. If you look at any book about how you manage diabetes, they will all talk about the importance of the family, but you just might not have that all the time. So yeah. you, it's great if you do, and it really does help. But if you don't, you still have to. Yeah, still I think so. the problem sometimes we face here is we have almost the reverse effect yeah, of that in right. that their family doesn't support them as much. So no. like say it's a, right. someone, That's right. maybe a 16 to 18 year old who knows that they're out overweight or they're trying to do something exactly. about their health and their family isn't as supportive. No, no, and you're so. exactly right. Or they allow it or enable it. Yeah. By, oh, okay, let's call up and get some more food delivered. Yeah, mashallah, you know, big you know, boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good job I didn't grow up here. Otherwise, I'd, be, I'd be huge. Well, from a cultural perspective, and I mean, I know this from my household and some of the ones that I've seen from a Kuwaiti perspective, of a lot of the times that we do have the more of a body shaming 
issue, mm-hmm. if anything, of saying, oh, you've put on, you know, the first comment you'll hear sometimes, oh, look at how much weight you've put on. You know, you've gotten fat, which drives kids or teenagers to binge more on unhealthy mm-hmm. foods. And But that's not, that's not unique to this place, not unique to the way we yeah. have it all over the yeah. place. So, I mean, we have it in the, I mean, we have an obesity problem in the United States, as I think you know. So it's a challenge, particularly Just as among as young Kuwait, kids. right, if I'm not mistaken. Obesity, pretty much very close. Yeah, yeah. Very close. The diabetes level is not as high, but the obesity level is almost as high, I think. When we had Dr. Neil on, that's when I yeah. kind of, I, I was like, really? We're, we're that bad off in terms of a country? It's scary seeing it from a cultural perspective because yeah. my son's growing up in this environment, so sure. he sees that also. Yeah. But it's great with what you touch on in terms of not going, in terms of having strenuous activities. Yeah. We just had a recent episode with Dr. Mohamed Al-Benna who talked about 30 minutes of activity, right. just break a sweat. Yeah. yeah he was like, that's yeah. all you really need to do is just break a sweat. Not yeah. a little stroll, break right. a sweat. Right. That's your 30 minutes. Right. And it should lead to The better. important thing is that you're doing it and you're doing it on a regular basis. It's not as important because if you're doing something really strenuous and then you either say, oh, that was painful. I don't want to do that again. Or you hurt yourself doing something because that's the worst thing because then you're laid up and you're not doing anything. So it, again, it's, it gets back to the whole moderation thing. This disease. I realize for some people who have a very, very serious problem, it's much tougher. So I'm only talking about myself, but uh, moderation can really, really help manage the disease. It really is something that even though there is no magic bullet uh, to uh, cure it, on the other hand, is unlike other diseases that you really can't affect. This one you can affect yourself in a positive way. So what would be like the one takeaway you want people to take away from this message today? Well, I would say, first of all, uh, listen to your own body because you know how you feel and you know when something is wrong. Don't uh, deny that something is wrong or not want to find out. You need to find out. I mean, I went because I wasn't feeling well when I had this blood test and that's how I found out. But I could have just as easily thought it was the flu, continued to think it was just the flu and not treated it. And then I think, okay, I've had like nine years of this. What if I hadn't been doing a better life? better diet, more exercise for the last nine years, I could be in trouble anyway. So I'm in a way very pleased in a strange way that I got diagnosed. So you need to listen to your body and find out about things. Don't let things pass. And then the other one is really, you can do something about it. Like I said, you can be in some ways your your own doctor. Even in my case, I, I was on medication. Then I worked with my doctor and we said, okay, let's try without medication. And this is what you have to do if you want to get off that because I had some negative effects for some people. The medication is great, but some people, probably a minority of people like me, have something where the, the medication may be a little too much. So that's when you need the doctor. But it really is this management and it's a nice thing to be able to control your health, you know, to be able to control your health. So just uh, one of our last questions for you, sure. So, and we'll let you get away. But we just wanted to know a little bit about some of your engagement with some of the sporting kind of communities within Kuwait. I think, do you do any work with kind of some of the youth sports communities? Um, uh, we, we do as an embassy. I can't say I'm a great sportsman, but we do. We have like sports diplomacy. So we bring out people. Uh, we had a Paralympian here who, had, who we were over at the Disabled Sports Club here, which does some great work. And he's an inspiring guy who was really his being a paraplegic was a result of an automobile accident, I think it was. But he's done great things and he's become a Paralympian. So we do that. I'm very pleased to participate in a very, very small way with a baseball and softball league that we have here. And But throughout my career, like I've been a coach 
for basketball or something like that. In the past, it's, it's harder now because I don't have as much time, but we bring out athletes from the United. We had a former professional basketball player, Sam Vincent, who came out here and did clinics and things. And the kids love it. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, and again, when we bring people out, it's not to say, oh, we're looking for the next NBA star. Yeah. Okay. That, that's not going to happen. But what you're doing is, oh, you know, we're just running around having fun. Yeah. And this is something like baseball wasn't, kids didn't play baseball. We have kids, not just in Kuwait, but they're running tournaments and they have Kuwaitis and Qataris and Saudis and Emiratis, and Bahrainis, every, you know, and Omanis all here, all of the GCC come and play little league baseball here. It's just the running around and getting the exercise. That's the important thing because what minute percentage of people are ever going to be professional athletes of any kind, but it's that emphasis on trying to have a healthier lifestyle, getting out and uh, exercising. So we do that all the time. And if there are other sporting events, there's been CrossFit events and I just go, I get invited and I'm happy to help publicize it because it's a really good thing. And as I said, it's in the long-term interest of any country to have a healthier population. It's also a lot cheaper on the budget. Yeah, yeah I <laughs> think know? that's the biggest one. I mean, people don't understand how much cost you can cut by just getting people out and exercising. Totally. And I think for a lot of countries, I think that's going to be the next depression, so to speak, is going to be healthcare because countries are going to be paying so much to take care of a lot of sick people. Right. And you want to stop it at a young age. So we all in Kuwait have kind of the flip population to us. We're getting older in the United States. So then you have fewer people paying in to social security and things like that. And then that money is going to a larger number of people who are older and alhamdulillah, people are living older because we're able to deal with these diseases, but it's very expensive. Because you're living longer, but you need to be taken care of. You probably more need for doctors, more need for hospitals, nursing homes, and things like that. So you have the younger population here. So now is the time to focus on making those. You have this 72% of Kuwaitis are under the age of 34, for example, I think is the figure. And if you get that population healthier, then you're charting a course for the whole country, which means you're going to be spending less on them as they get older. It's a, a great thing. Plus, think about it fewer days out of work where people are not working because they're in the hospital or whatever problem that they have. You're getting more productivity and you're paying less for their medical bills. I wish I could get you to say that to my top management. <laughs> I've been trying to preach that for a couple of years now. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it's awesome. I love the work that you do with Kuwait baseball. I do. I do very, there are a couple of guys, I don't want to get, to get names, but you have a very dedicated group of Kuwaitis who really have made this thing. And, and by the way, Kuwait is the only place uh, in the GCC, I think only place in the GCC, uh, maybe not beyond, but in the GCC, that actually officially licenses and has registered. This only happened within the last, I think, six, nine months, where they're actually registered uh, as an official sport. We will have the here. first Major League Baseball player in Fed to Zade. I don't know if you got to meet him. He's no. a young kid. This kid's a phenom. I mean, Great. he's throwing He's throwing at 83 and he's wow. 15, 16 years wow. old. You won't get this. <laughs> the British like, cool, get right? it, like, They bounce yeah. the ball, you know. <laughs> yeah, this cricket thing. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get this cricket It's the easiest thing. game in the world. Yeah. 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 Hitting a round ball with a round bat is the hardest thing to do in sports. I'm just waiting. I'm not, it's not saying anything. I'm not start this. That's okay. Yes. No, but I, uh, I I didn't know that, but uh, I wish him uh, all the success. That's great. Yeah, hope, great. hopefully. I told the kid he's got to play for the Sox. If he goes Yankees way, I'm not going to talk. I can't. Um, officially, I can't say anything about that. <laughs> but you know what uniform I come out, or at least what baseball hat I do. I wear oh, so I, I can't out. ask you who's winning the World Series this year? I, I really don't know. I was pleased that the Red Sox won last year, but I still don't understand how that happened. <laughs> Everything was a great confluence of things. Everything came together. It was really kind of a magical season. But the thing what we're 
the most important thing because his name is Fahad. Fahad, yes, Fahad. Fahad. So I wish Fahad luck, but the odds are that nobody else out there is going to get anywhere near professional baseball. Just like in the United States, you're not going to get anywhere near professional baseball. But you're out there having fun. It's teamwork. The parents, by the way, I want to give a big shout out to the parents because they, like you, they dedicate themselves as coaches, as trainers, or as team parents just to help out with the teams. And it's great, but I think they get a lot of benefit out of it too. And you see it in the kids. Uh, the kids were great and a nice facility that the uh, equestrian and hunting club has given to the baseball. So that's very much appreciated yeah. as well. Yeah, no, it's understandable. Thank you, Mr. Ambassador. It was a pleasure having you on the show. It was a great talk and I mean, a lot of great takeaways today. Yeah, I really appreciate just getting sure. a little bit of your insight. I know there's going to be a lot of people who just get a little bit more, even if it's just understanding a little bit more, maybe they have some symptoms or maybe they're kind of in your situation where they're just starting to make little it's, differences as well. So It's an opportunity when you get a diagnosis like that. It, just look at it as an opportunity to improve your life, lifestyle. That's really what it's not. Not about, oh, the disease. No, no, no. Yeah. It's, it, you were just given an opportunity to really make yourself healthier and so... That's a really good way to look at it as well. Yeah. Like to actually look at it yeah. in a positive light yeah. and actually go, okay, this has happened. Now what do we do about it? Yeah. So, I mean, so if somebody had said that to me, I would have said, you don't know what you're talking about yeah. at the time. Yeah, of course. But now I absolutely believe that. So no, thank you very much. Thank me, you very uh, much. Let me say uh, uh, Ramadan Kareem to everybody. Kulam yeah. Wintabakhir. Wintabakhir. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at The Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.